Hello and God bless you today from Carlsbad, New Mexico. You are listening to a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. We hope you enjoy the message today, and we'd love to hear from you. If anything in this message has touched you, you have a prayer request, or just want to reach out, you can connect with us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash New Song Carlsbad NM. You can also mail us at Post Office Box 761, Carlsbad, New Mexico, zip code 88221. Please enjoy this message and have a very blessed day. Thank you, guys. You did a great job. The rest of you can turn to chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know, our God is uh, many things. We have a God who is many things, but one of the things he is, he's a God who shares Jesus said, it's a good thing that I go, and the things that I have done you shall do, and greater things than these shall you do. But what did he do? He raised the dead. He did all kinds of miracles, healing, finances, you name it. He did it. And it's a good thing that I go. Why? Because he wants to share with you. Now, I'm not saying you're Jesus, but it's kind of like millions of little Jesuses running around all over the planet, if you want to look at it that way. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he said, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Now, All of you by now probably have realized that if you're going to have any kind of a ministry, it's going to have to involve several things. It's going to have to involve confidence on your part. Did you ever stop to realize why a lot of Christians are not ministering to anybody? It's because they don't have any confidence. 
They have low self-esteem. Ladies, that's a big one for you. Low self-esteem means you don't think much of yourself. You think people don't like you. You think they're talking about you behind your back. And as a result of that, you have a tendency to withdraw, and you're not sharing the gospel with anybody. How many of you know there are people that you come across in your life every day that you can minister to that I don't even know. I'll never see them, never meet them, but you will. Look at your neighbor and say, that's true. It is true. God has shared his power with us. He's also set in motion what he has labeled the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit. These gifts are for edification. They're not intended for rebuke. I was in a church once, and a guy got up and went over to the piano player and laid his hands on her and said, you better submit to your husband or all your teeth are going to fall out in Jesus' name, thus saith the Lord. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I said, oh God. Listen, if you're not submitted to your husband, God will deal with you. But I doubt seriously he's going to give you cancer or cause your teeth to fall out or anything like that. God's not in that kind of business. God's in the business of blessing. He's in the business of mercy and grace. Now let's look at uh, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. Please, uh, I want you to follow along with this and I want you to try to get a hold of what it's saying. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I would have you, I would not have you ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols, even as you were led. Wherefore, I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now, there are diversities or different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. Now, I want to to pause there a minute. I want you to think about that. Diversity. Each one of us, uh, well, let's let's put it this way. None of us are, are the same. We're all different. It's not just that we look different. We are different. Some of you are bold. Some of you got a big mouth, some of, you, some of you are shy and you got a little mouth and it's hard for you to say anything. may have gone back when you were in junior high school and you had a speech class and the teacher had everybody get up in front of the class and give a speech. How many of you remember that? Oh, that was embarrassing. The kids giggled and they laughed and, and you received that as a rejection and it hurt. Because of that, some of you withdrew even further. You you didn't want to ever speak again. Oh, God forbid that you'd be a pastor or you'd get up in front of a group and give your testimony. Oh, no, you can't do that. But you see, every one of us are different. And so God has laid out these nine different gifts. They are each one laced with power. Now, look at me. When I got involved in the charismatic renewal back in 1971, 72, <clears throat> we were excited. Oh, it was exciting. You go, uh, there were no charismatic churches in the beginning. Most of, 
of the time you were meeting in a in a house in the living room or the den, and uh, that's the way it started. And we were experimenting. We we knew about the gifts. We'd read this chapter and others, and we were experimenting a little bit. And I was really experimenting because uh, I wanted God to use me, and I didn't go to God and say. Just use me in one of the gifts and I'll be satisfied. I went to God and said, I want you, God, please, to use me in all nine of the gifts. So one guy heard me say that and he said, we're kind of selfish, aren't you? No, I don't think so. Have you noticed in our church, we've only got three or four people that are, allow themselves to be used in giving a message in tongues like you heard this morning. Somebody interpreted it. And it's usually the same people. Now, I'm not, I'm not judging them. That's, that's, at least they're obeying God. But where are the rest of you? I want you to get excited. Uh, you know, today in, in our churches, we've got people that just cannot bring themselves to believe that these gifts are real. And they don't. And so... They come up with all kinds of theories. Well, the, the gifts of the Spirit disappeared when the last disciple died. Another one will say, well, the gifts of the Spirit, speaking in tongues, all of that stopped when the Bible was completed. Now, listen to me. It stopped when what? Yeah, well, let me, let me explain something to you. God never changes. And uh, what he did then, he's doing now. You know, the Pentecostal movement where we get the churches like the Assemblies of God, the Church of God, and some of those churches started uh, around the turn of the last century, about 1910. Right in there, there was a, uh, a revival. It was called the Pentecostal Revival, and people got excited. They, uh, we had a guy, a black man out in, uh, in California, Azusa Street, met in, the, in an old warehouse, and People were coming, and they were getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were speaking in tongues. When I went to Ireland in 1983, I met the man who started the charismatic renewal in Ireland. Now, this southern Ireland I'm talking about, southern Ireland is 99% Roman Catholic. Now, what happened, this man who owned a grocery store and several grocery stores, pretty well off, and he had a, a large uh, cabin down on the sea, on the ocean. And he asked a bunch of his friends who were hungry for more of God to meet him down there one weekend, and they were going to pray and seek God, and that's what they did. And guess what happened? They all started speaking in tongues. They didn't even know what that was. Somebody had to come and teach them what it was, just like you have to be taught what it is. What is speaking in tongues? I want to take that just for a minute. I want you to listen very carefully. Uh, listen very carefully. Sometimes you don't know how to pray. You see someone walking down the street, and God speaks to you and says, pray for them. I said, well, now, God, you mean you want me to run across the street? No, I just want you to keep walking, but I want you to pray for them. But God, you say, I don't know them. How could I possibly pray for them? And God tells you, pray in the Spirit. Now listen, watch me. When you pray in tongues, you know this speaking in tongues is not this glossolalia baloney that people are trying to tell you is, is a joke and it's not real. It's real. 
And when you speak in tongues, look at me. It's God in here using your mouth praying to God. Now, there are two kinds of speaking in tongues. One of them is what we have labeled a private prayer language. If you go through the book of Acts, you'll find that every person from the first book, uh, chapter of the book of Acts all the way to the end, every person who got baptized in the Holy Spirit, all of them spoke in tongues. Now, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, you'll see here in a moment that there's another manifestation of speaking in tongues, and it is the gift of tongues. It's different than the prayer language. What's the difference? The prayer language is something that all of you can have. Uh, it's, it's for your own private, personal use, although you'll see times in church where people raise their hand and uh, maybe even start singing in the Spirit. Paul, that, that scriptural, Paul says, what is it then, brethren? Sometimes I pray in the understanding. Sometimes I pray in the Spirit. Sometimes I see, sing in the understanding. Sometimes I sing in the Spirit. Now, that's for your private use. It doesn't have to be interpreted. But the gift of tongues is usually used publicly in a prayer service or a church service like this. And when it is manifested, it always has to be interpreted. Now, the Bible says if there's no interpreter present, like this morning, if that message had not been interpreted, then Paul says, just close your mouth and go on. Okay? So, everybody see the difference? Now, here's another difference. Not everybody will be used in the gift of tongues. Okay? Not everybody will. Now, I want desperately, look at your neighbor and say, he's desperate. I want desperately for you, each and every one of you, to start praying, and I want you to ask God, God, please, how do you want to use me? In which one of these nine gifts that we're going to talk about in a minute can you use me in? I'm available. You know, when I went to the Lord, I said, Lord, here I am, use me. I'll go, send me. I'll open my mouth, use me. God, it might shock you to know, is desperately looking for somebody in this church to stand up and say, I am willing to be used. You go to the hospital, somebody's sick. Well, who's going to pray with them if you don't? Come on. Who's going to pray with them if you don't? Now, let's go in here and let's look at... Uh, Look at verse 3. Wherefore I give you to understand that no man speaking by the Spirit of God calleth Jesus accursed, and that no man can say that Jesus is the Lord but by the Holy Ghost. Now there are different kinds of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administration but the same Lord. And there are differences of, of operations but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Now everybody follow me very closely. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man. Look at your neighbor and say every man or woman. Every man has this, let's see. Manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. Verse 8. For to one, and now here we go. For to one is given the Spirit of the Word of Wisdom. Number one gift, the Word of Wisdom. Now let me tell you something. 
Everybody in this room has knowledge, but you don't all have wisdom. Uh, you know what wisdom is? It's the ability to know how to use knowledge correctly. The ability to know how to use knowledge correctly. Now, that's wisdom, but there's another kind of wisdom. It's the supernatural gift of wisdom that comes from the spirit of the living God. It doesn't come from your brain. It comes from the spirit that resides within you. He gives it to you, and you speak it forth. That's the gift uh, of wisdom. You remember when Solomon, who had, I believe, the gift of, of wisdom, uh, he was a king, and he was a wise man. Uh, there were two women. They were prostitutes in, the, in his kingdom. They lived together, and each one of them had a baby, and uh, they threw a pallet on the floor, and the two babies and the two women slept together. One night, one of the women accidentally rolled over on her baby and smothered it to death. Now, they began to fight about whose baby that was that died, so, uh, you know, by this time, the king got word. He, had, he brought both women and, and the dead baby and the live baby and uh, brought them before him. And the word of wisdom began to work in him. And then he looked at both women and he, and he said, uh, uh, tell you what, we've only got one baby here left. I want you, he told one of the guards, I want you to bring your sword and cut this live baby in half. Give half of it to that woman, half of it to that woman. One of the women, not both of them, one of the women ran over there and threw herself over that baby and said, no, no, give her the baby, give her the baby, don't kill it. Give. How many of you know he had his mother right there? Now, you see how that wisdom works? Now, some people don't seem to have any wisdom at all. They, they walk in carnal knowledge. They, they, uh, they uh, insult people. They make their kids angry. Uh, uh, there's no wisdom in the home. There's always a fight going on. Listen, you pray for wisdom, but you pray and ask God. This is gift number one, the word of wisdom. Now, and then he says, to another, the word of knowledge. Now, this is different than just regular knowledge that you get by reading a book. This is knowledge that is given to you that you couldn't have possibly known. Uh, one time uh, I was out in California. Uh, I did a meeting. Uh, it was a great meeting. People baptized. Well, you might wonder where we get that term, baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said he's the one that baptizes you in the Spirit, and that's where we get it. And uh, and so, uh-oh, he's electrified. And uh, I had a prayer line. And the next people in line, there was a tall young man, about 20. Uh, there was a girl with him. She was tall, too, and I'd say she was about 18. And then there was a little girl, about two, three, maybe. And as they approached me, the girl, was, the lady, was crying. Now, I've never seen them in my life. They got within about 10 feet of me, and I said, stop. And they both stopped. And the Spirit of God began to move through me. I, said, I looked at the woman, and I, I pointed at her, and I said, you're crying because you were raised in the assemblies of God. You have been spirit-filled most of your life. And this young man here told you that if you uh, get with him, that uh, he would marry you and he'd go to church and he'd get saved and all of that stuff. 
And so you went for it. And the problem is, he didn't do it. Next thing you know, the young man falls on his knees right there on the concrete and starts crying, and he gave his heart to Jesus. Because, see, he, he was taking advantage of her. He, didn't, he, he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. They had a little girl together, the little girl. And they weren't married, and they still weren't married. You know what he did? He went home that night from that meeting, and he moved out of the house. Two weeks later, they got married officially with a marriage license, and he moved back in. I was back in that town about six months later, and they were doing great. But you see how the word of knowledge works? Knowledge that I couldn't have possibly known. Now, why is that important? It was important because that family, that that man and lady and the little girl, needed to be brought into order. And how was that going to happen if there was nobody there who knew what was going on in their life? Are you with me? That's how powerful this is. It's life-changing. Now, let's go a little bit further. Uh, so knowledge, then verse 9, to another, faith. Now, everybody, the Bible says every one of you in here has been given a measure of faith. But there is a different faith. It's supernatural. It is the gift of faith. You, uh, you'll never know how powerful that is until you're in a situation where it can be used. And I know I've told this story before, but I was... Uh, I was at the uh, first cafeteria when we used to have it here, and it was on Sunday after church, and the line went out in the parking lot. We had just gotten in the in, in the front door, and, and uh, I looked behind me, and there was an old, old man and his wife, and the old man started heading for the floor. I mean, he just closed his eyes, and he was headed for the floor. And I grabbed him before he hit the floor, and they, they used to have those wooden benches in there, if you remember those. And I drug him over, and I sat him in, in one of those benches. Now, he is dead. His eyes were open, fixed, and dilated. He'd, I checked for pulse. There was no pulse. I often wondered, what would I do as a Christian if I was in a situation like that? His wife is standing behind me, and she is freaking out. They've been married probably 70 years. And I don't know. It's the Holy Spirit just came on me, the gift of faith. And suddenly I just reached my hand down there and put it on his face. And I said, I rebuke you, spirit of death, in Jesus' name. And he went, <gasps> he took a big breath. His wife started hitting me on the back of, the, of my head. Do that again. Do that again. It was exciting. You're not always excited because you weren't there. It's exciting when somebody comes back to life. I had been prophesied over me a, a hundred times that I would raise the dead in my ministry. And I'm not taking the glory. Glory all, as someone said well, a while ago, Craig, a glory all goes to God. But do you understand how that one works? That's the gift of faith. Do we need that? Well, you better believe it. And then there's the gift of healing. How many of you have ever seen somebody really healed? It's pretty powerful, isn't it? I've seen people heal from terminal cancer. Uh, the first healing like that was, that I saw was a creation healing. We had a guy, it was Ron Griffith. He's just passed away this last year. We went to a Bible study. There were no charismatic churches back then. 
But uh, the guy in, in, that owned the house, he had he brought a chair out, and uh, he had Ron sit in that chair. And he said, now push your back tight against the back of that chair as you can get it. And he reached down, and he pulled up both of Ron's feet, and this is the way they looked. One of the, his feet were longer, about, the, about almost three inches than the other one. And he said, yeah, I, I wear a lift in my shoe. Otherwise, I can't walk. And so uh, the guy that was on his feet said, we're going to pray. And I closed my eyes, and God said, he said something like, you're being silly. You better open your eyes or you're going to miss it. Oh, yeah. So I opened my eyes, and he starts praying. And watch this. His foot went like this. Right in front of my eyes. Did I see that? Yeah, I saw that. It was really real. It was really God. He tried to put his shoe with the lift on. Wouldn't work. He had to reach in there and pull that lift out, put his shoes on. Hmm, it was perfect. And that was about 30, almost 40 years ago. Just before he died, he was still perfect. Perfect. He lived a long life. He was 83 years old or whatever. And you see, it was a gift of healing, but it was a creative miracle. God had to create tissue and bone right there in order to grow that other leg out. Some people say, well, did he grow that leg out or did he shorten the other one? Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? You want to be taller, so you with that. Well, he grew that one out. <laughs> so everybody likes to be tall. Okay, so there you go. Now, everybody look down there. Uh, work, work, uh, workers of miracles. Okay, here we go. Verse 10. Uh, to another, the working of miracles. 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 I read the story of a man that just came, got off a plane at an airport. Some of you have heard this. I know. I can't think of a better example. And he put his suitcase down and was trying to wave down a taxi. And it was kind of raining, drizzling. He looked down the road, and there, right in the middle of the road, was a kid, about 12 years old, screaming, Help! 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 We've had a wreck. My dad's dead. So this guy left his suitcase there, and he went with the little boy, and they ran around the corner back. And here's what he saw. He saw a car upside down on the roof, he saw two legs sticking out from under that, the, the roof. He saw a woman with two little girls over there hugging each other, and there was nothing they could do. That was their daddy under that car. This guy was just like me. He went over there and said, you know, he told God, what, what, what will I ever do if I'm in a situation like that? At that moment, two other men showed up. And he, he looked at him and said, somehow we've got to get this car off of him. Now, two guys are not going to lift up a big old car off of a guy, but that's exactly what they did. These two men ran over there. One got on one side and the other, the other side of the legs, and they just pulled with all their might. And guess what? The car did this. And the, the man who was the first one there reached down, grabbed him by the belt, and pulled him out from under there. He was dead. First miracle, they lifted the car. Second miracle, he's dead. What are you going to do? Well, he did the same thing I did. Almost exactly the same way. He slapped him right on the head and said, I rebuke you, spirit of death. And the guy took a deep breath and came back to life. Now, let me ask you, wouldn't you like God to use you like that? Or is that too scary? 
I'll tell you, if you've ever been used that way, it's not scary. It's one. It's powerful. It's wonderful, and you'll be you'll be on your face thanking God that He chose to use you like that in order to bring life and healing and peace to people that are hurting. It's powerful. It's wonderful. So that's miracles. And then He says to another, the discerning of spirit spirits. Now, discernment of spirits is needed, but it's got to be real. Discernment means that you know the difference supernaturally from God, the difference between good and bad. God has used me in this, I don't know how many times, to protect my church and my congregation. People show up, uh, you're going to let me preach? No, I'm not going to let you preach because in my discernment, I sense that something's not right. Well, God sent me here to preach. I don't know you. And the Bible says to labor uh, that you need to know those that labor among you. Discernment is very important. If you don't think you walk in that gift, you need to ask God to use you in discernment. And then there's the tongues and the interpretation of tongues. So there they are, the nine gifts of the Spirit. And look at verse 11. But all these things that one and the selfsame Spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Now, uh, for the sake of time, I want you to go over to chapter 13. As I shared with you earlier, as the years went by and revivals started happening, for example, a lot of you may not realize, but uh, people, uh, who was the guy that started the Methodist Church? John Wesley, who started the Presbyterian Church? Mm, John, was it Calvin? Who, who was John Knox? He was in, he, he, which one of the church, churches? Okay, but he started one of those churches too, I think. But anyway. Uh, what I'm trying to get you to understand is that most of these revivals that have started from the time Jesus was on the cross until now have had some kind of supernatural manifestation that, that went along with them, almost every one of them. Uh, John Wesley was a, a, a man who uh, spoke in tongues. He was spirit-filled. Now, here's what you say, well, then what happens to these churches? Why did they turn their back on, on this power, these wonderful things that God has given us? It's because they're afraid. Are you listening? And they almost rewrite the Bible. I was with somebody just about a month ago that was in a, a church that doesn't believe in this stuff. And, and I read her Mark 16, verse 17. These signs shall follow them that believe. And in your, if you have a red letter edition of the Bible, that scripture's written in red. What does that mean? Jesus said it. These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They, they will speak with new tongues. No deadly thing can hurt them, including poison and snakes. And they can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Now Jesus said that. Jesus. Jesus said those that believe could speak in tongues. Now, I figure if Jesus said it, it's good enough for me. Now, I'm not condemning anybody in here, but if you're in here and you've never spoken in tongues, what are you waiting on? This is a gift that is so powerful, it will change your life forever. 
It'll change your life forever. It will change your life forever. I know that some of you pray. How many of you pray sometimes and you feel like your prayer is not getting any higher than the roof? And it bounces off and falls flat in front of you. How many of you? I felt that way. Let me tell you something. When you pray in the Spirit, God, using your mouth praying to God, it's the right prayer every time. Amen? Do you need it? You absolutely do. Do you have to have it? No, you don't have to. Do I have to have to go to heaven? No. But you, you know, it's like a guy told me once, an elephant doesn't really have to have a trunk. But he sure likes it. To an elephant, the most useful thing he has is his trunk. He breathes with it. He drinks with it. He eats with it. He picks dirt off of the ground and splashes it over him to get rid of the bugs. He defends himself with it. His trunk is the most useful thing he's got. Now, you can cut that trunk off that elephant, and he's still an elephant. Are you getting this? No, you don't have to be used in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. You don't. It's like I tell people, though, you get to. Why, why are we always looking at the things of God like they're some kind of curse and he's trying to torment us with these embarrassing things? It's a blessing. It's a gift. These, that's why these things are called the gifts of the Spirit. Do you have to have them? No, you don't have to. You get to. And you know what? When you practice these gifts, not only will your life be changed, but the lives of other people that you come in contact with will be changed. Now, here's my point exactly. What has happened to these gifts of the Spirit? What has happened to this experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit? If I told you all of the people that are famous down through history that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, it would blow your mind. One of them was a member of the Church of Christ. He was a famous actor and singer. Who knows who I'm talking about? He wrote a book called A New Song, Pat Boone, Church of Christ. And you know the Church of Christ, I'm not judging them, just telling you, as soon as they found out that he had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they kicked him right out of the church. Listen to me. You can't take like that scripture in Mark 16, 17, these signs shall follow them that believe you. Just because you don't like it, you can't take scissors and cut that out and throw it in the trash. You've got to deal with it. It's there. He didn't say in there, these signs shall follow you until the Bible's been complete and then these signs shall cease. Now, you're in uh, 13, 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to find out exactly when these gifts do cease. I want you to look down. But first of all, I want to read verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Uh, notice the tongues of men and angels. I've had people come to me and say, well, you know, the reason I don't try to do that is because, boy, I heard a guy speak in tongues the other day and it was the most God-awful thing I ever How many of you have ever heard American Indians speak? Well, that's about the way it sounds. And... Uh, there are languages that we know nothing about, the languages of angels. We don't know anything about them. And so don't be too quick to, to judge. Now, you're in chapter 13. I want you to go down to verse 8. Charity or love never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they will fail. 
Whether there be tongues, they shall cease or stop. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Now listen to me carefully. This is a declaration by Paul who wrote the book on the gifts of the Spirit telling you that there is coming a time when all of these gifts are going to stop. The question is not whether or not they're going to stop. The question is, when are they going to stop? That's the question. And as I told you before, one church will say, well, uh, uh, they stopped when the Bible was completed. No, no, no. They stopped when the last apostle died. John the apostle. When he died, they stopped. Uh, You understand? Now, let's go down to verse 9. He says, for we know in, now we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now, now I want you to stay with me. Stay with me. Stay with me. Here, here's where we're at. Something's coming, and it's perfect. When whatever it is is coming, and it's perfect comes, then these gifts are going to stop. That's the first clue. You got it? Now, look at verse 10. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Now, boy, they jump on that one. See, you charismatic people, you're like little children. You're out here speaking in this language. You don't know this glossolalia stuff, and you don't know anything. That's not what that's talking about at all. When he's talking about you being a child, it's like being in a place where you don't have the whole picture. And you know why? Because you're here and he's there. How many of you know that someday you'll go there and be with him forever? Just keep that in your mind, okay? Now, let's look at verse 12. For now we see through a glass darkly, but then, when? When that which is perfect comes. Then, face to face, Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am also known. Now, here it is. Something's coming. It's perfect. And it has the ability to know me. And it also has a face. Look at verse 12 again. But then, face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as I am known. So it has a face, and whatever it is, has the ability to know me. It's coming. It's perfect. It it has a face, and it has the ability to know me. Are you following me? We're we're trying to figure out when all this stuff is going to stop. Now look at verse 13. And now by its faith, hope, charity, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Now, your Bible doesn't have a face, so we can throw that one out. The apostles weren't perfect, so you can forget that. What do we know that's coming? has a face, has the ability to know you. And when that, whatever it is, gets here, you won't need the gifts anymore. They will stop. What's Jesus? It's just so obvious. It's Jesus because when when you go to be with him, why would you need the gift of knowledge anymore? You're just going to know everything instantaneously. Come on. And when you're when you're in heaven, you're not. There's not going to be any need for the gift of healing. There's not. There's not going to be any disease there. There's got. There's not going to be any crying there. There's not going to be any weeping there. There's not going to be anybody sad there. We're not going to need these gifts when we're there instead of here. 
And that includes here because we're, we're actually going to rule and reign with Jesus for a thousand years on this planet. It's called the millennial reign. But the day will come when he will destroy this planet and recreate it. And he's building a city now called the New Jerusalem. And he's going to bring that down out of the sky. And he's going to put it right on this new earth that he's going to prepare. Everybody with me? Now, do you have to have it? No. You get to. It's a privilege. It's a gift. It's an honor. It'll change your life. You don't have to. You get to. That's how much He loves you. Now, here's the big clincher. In order to make all of this happen, the power, the gifts, the knowledge, the healing, the wisdom, the miracles, the tongues, the interpretation of tongues, in order to make all of that possible, he had to put a power cell inside of you. So you know what he did? Whenever you go to the front or in your bedroom at night when nobody's awake and you kneel down by the bed and you decide, I've got to get my life right, and you repent of your sins and you ask Jesus to come into your heart and be your Savior, the second you do that, God Almighty Himself in the form of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, boom, He comes right into your body. You're possessed by Him. See, there is a good spiritual uh, possession. It's not the demon. It's the possession of the Holy Spirit who comes and enters your body and finds your spirit and does this. And He plugs right into you. And when He plugs into you, He brings all the power. He brings all the knowledge and the gifts that you need in order to operate in the ministry, in order to bring people out of places where they are uh, totally encompassed with pain and, and fear and all the things that people get involved with. Listen, God's given you everything that you need. Somebody, somebody say amen. Everything you need, He's given it to you. God doesn't live in this building. He lives inside of you. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Who's the Holy Ghost? He's the third. He's God. He's the third part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You're three parts too. You're a spirit. You have a soul, which is your mind, your emotions, and your will. And you live in a body. You see how good it sounds when you know what you... You know, I asked God one day, Lord, why is there a problem? Why are... Why are people struggling so much with this? And you know what he spoke to me? Two words. He said, bad teaching. That's what God spoke to my heart. Bad teaching. And I noticed that I, at that time in my ministry, I was traveling on the road for 20 years. Uh, how many of you have heard of the Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International? I have personally ministered in over 800 of those chapters. They'd have a meal. They'd have me come up. I'd sing, give my testimony, or preach a word. And I'd always, uh, most of those times, I talked about the baptism, the tongues, and all the things I talked to you about tonight, today. And you know what? People would come up there. I remember having meetings where there'd be 20 people saved and 40 people baptized in the Holy Spirit. All of them spoke in tongues almost every time. Why? Because they were finally at last getting good teaching. I'm not patting me on the back. I'm just telling you that a lot of people who would like to share with you don't know what they're telling you because they don't have it. They don't have the knowledge. 
They haven't spent time. Listen, you, you've got to spend time in that Word. And when you, when you spend time in that Word, God gives you the knowledge that you need to bring people out of the disasters that they're in. I was in a meeting in Texas, and a, a woman was approaching me. I'd never seen her in my life. She was in the, a prayer line, and I just I said, stop. She looked at me. I said, you've been smoking almost your whole life. She looked to be about 75. I said, you've been smoking, and she just broke down and started wailing. Yeah, and I, I just can't quit. I just can't quit. I'm so ashamed. And so I prayed with her, and I was back in that town a year later, and she had not had another cigarette since the night that we prayed. In that same meeting, there was a guy who was, how many of you know what snuff is? I mean, you take that stuff, you put it in your lip. Now, this guy wasn't just putting it in there and spitting it. He was swallowing it. He didn't need a glass or a cup. He, he didn't need any of that stuff. He, he had a big old clump of it, and he just swallowed it as, now listen to me, he was going through almost four cans a day, swallowing it. And he also was crying, and he was also ashamed, because let me tell you something, that stuff is more addicting than cigarettes. And I laid hands on him, and we prayed, and I cursed that demon of nicotine, and I, that year late, same year, I came back to that same town, and he saw me, and he, he raised his hands, and he ran down there, and just this guy was a cowboy, about six foot seven, just picked me up and was shaking me like this. He said, since the night you were here, I didn't have another dip of that skull, not one, not one. Now, see, you may not care too much about that, but it wasn't you that was getting set free. How many of you have ever been caught up in something like that? Cigarettes, nicotine, alcohol, drugs. Listen to me, it's hard to get set free. Cigarettes are one of the most addicting things on the earth. And when I had to quit in uh, 1972, boy, God had been dealing with me, and, and he said, now today's the day. I don't tell people just to go quit. I tell them to wait on God to tell you. And he did. He said, I, you just bought a pack of cigarettes. I said, yes, Lord. He said, take them in the bathroom. Open the, open the package. There were 20 cigarettes in there. He said, I want you to go to the toilet. I want you to take every cigarette out and shred it into the toilet. And then flush the commode. And I did. And I was weeping. Because I tried to quit a hundred times. I used to lay around on the floor just crying because I, it was so hard. Listen, listen to me. That, that night, I took it a step further. I said, God, I give you my pledge and my word that I will never touch a cigarette again. Now, that was in 1972. And I not only have never smoked, I've never touched a cigarette. Now, if I'm going down the sidewalk and I see a cigarette butt, I might kick it off the sidewalk with my shoe, but I won't touch it with my skin. I'm, I'm just telling you, I will not touch it. And you know what? It took me, before I started smoking, if you came in a room, and I still have this today, I wouldn't call it a gift, it's kind of a curse, but 
you may think that you're hiding your smoking from me, but you're not. If you've been sm if you're a smoker, I know it immediately when you come into my office or anywhere within three feet of me. And so, I'm just telling you that it took a year for me to to get my sense of smell back. Uh, are you are you listening to me? And so, what I'm begging you to do is please don't go there to start with. Why did I do it? I don't know. Both of my parents were smokers, and you know, all the boys in high school, yeah, yeah, I'm cool. Oh, I'm really no, I wasn't cool. I was stupid. Think about cigarettes for a minute. What, what do you get out of smoking cigarettes? You get addiction. That's about it. That's about it. So, please, as I close, let me share this one last thing. Please let God do what he's trying to do in your life. Please let God raise you up and use you in one of the gifts of the Spirit. Please Listen to me. Please get your heart and your spirit pointed towards people who are hurting and reach out to them. And please offer up yourself to the Lord and say, Lord, uh, I'll go, send me. Can you do that? Can you do that? Let's pray. Let's pray. Bow your heads. Father, thank you for the gifts of your spirit. Thank you for your love and your mercy. Thank you, God, that you love us. Thank you, Lord, you have a plan. Thank you, Lord, that you can deliver us from anything, nicotine, drugs, whatever it is, you, you can. And, Lord, thank you that you want to use us in the power of your gifts. Thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That word means to be totally immersed, totally immersed in the Holy Spirit. Father, thank you for the gifts of your spirit. As we go today, Lord, may we sense your presence. May we uh, go home and have a wonderful afternoon of rest. For those going to work tomorrow, may God bless you. And I pray for all of our children as they go back to school, either online or at the school building. Father, just keep them safe, guard them, and protect them. And Father, we curse COVID-19. We curse it from the root, and we command it to get off this planet and never to come back. And Father, if you choose to do that through a vaccine, fine. Or if you just want to do it through a miracle, that's even better. Father, we just call it forth right now. Be gone in Jesus' name. If you agree with me, say amen. Father, thank you again. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, okay, you're dismissed. May God bless you richly. Don't forget, there is a, a funeral service here Tuesday at 11 o'clock for Connie Dara. And you're all invited. There'll be a, a meal after we get back from the cemetery. And you're all invited, okay? God bless you. This has been a broadcast of New Song Christian Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today. If you wish to partner with us and support this ministry, you can give online at newsongcarlsbad.churchcenter.com forward slash giving. Your gift is tax deductible. Please share this broadcast with your friends and neighbors and help us spread the good news of Jesus Christ all across the globe. May the Lord richly bless you.